This is The Transmission Times, a special episode on parenting during the pandemic. My almost 21-year-old son was living in New York City for the majority of the pandemic. And I would say my worst moment was when he called me at midnight, probably back when the numbers were the highest in the city. And he said, Mom, I'm going for a walk. I have my mask on, but I'm having a panic attack. And he asked me to pray for him. In a way, it was one of my best moments because it was a window that he let me in to be able to comfort him and to encourage him. I want to remember that connection because as he's come home and he's distancing from us, not just physically but emotionally, I want to remember that he does know that he can reach out to us when he's really troubled and I want to hold that treasure in my heart for the times that he seems very, very distant. I work in a hospital, so I was coming into contact with COVID a lot. And when we were in the peak of the pandemic, I would sometimes have periods where I would just be suddenly like gripped by really powerful anxiety that I was going to die from this virus and I can feel it now as I remember always in those moments was just the most unbearable pain that I might leave my son and that I just wouldn't have seen anywhere near enough of his life. Two weeks after the beaches opened back up, we dropped everything at 4.30 and went to the beach. It was one of those days where probably nobody went anyway, regardless of social distancing, because it had been raining and was probably going to rain again. The tide was out and the kids just took off running towards the water. And we just ran and it had that feeling of a little bit like the cows getting let out to pasture after the winter. And then we looked back towards the land and you could just see these enormous clouds rolling out to sea and ultimately could start to rain again. But it was just very freeing. My son gets very upset whenever anybody has to leave the house, like to go get groceries and worry so much about anybody getting infected. Whenever anybody comes home, he reminds us to wash our hands and change our clothes. And it's been sad to see him worrying so much about it and feeling like he has to have that burden on him. Right at the very start of lockdown, we went into self-isolation because my daughter developed a cough and it got worse before it got better. There were moments, particularly in the middle of the night, when she would wake up and I needed to go and get a bowl of steaming water and 
you know, put her head over it just to open up her airways a bit. And I felt scared. I'll be honest, I felt scared because I thought, what is this? Is this COVID? How would we know? The best moment with my kids was watching their relationship bloom and blossom in a way that would not have happened if they would not have been spending 24 hours together. It was not something that I would have thought going into the pandemic that that would have happened. I maybe would have thought that they would have been a little bit more just getting frustrated with each other, and that does happen from time to time, but way more than that, they just are this little duo that cruises around. Our son was watching other kids in the parking lot out back as they ran around, and he was just becoming a confident walker. So he knew running was the next frontier, and he spent 20 to 25 minutes just watching them, running back and forth. And then one day he was in the house and he just tried it out. He started running through the apartment. And we turned on Naughty Boy's running song and it's become a tradition for for us to go running, running, running through the house. In a pre-COVID world, we would have been at work when he practiced running through school. My son, he's five and he's a very selective eater. He's even in food therapy. And during the pandemic so far, he has been so interested in cooking because we're cooking more and he just really loves it. And he's made such huge strides uh, over the past couple months with trying new things. When we first were really trying to get a handle on remote learning and we were out of our element, I was super sick with morning sickness. And I remember this afternoon that like we were trying to do schooling and my daughter was like under the coffee table wailing. Now she's the almost nine-year-old. And, you know, my son was running around in the basement and my mom was frantically like trying to help us and I think I just went upstairs and cried because it felt like what was being asked of all of us in that moment felt so impossible. I have a small family. It's just my husband, myself and our son And we instituted family game night to get everybody off their computers and do something fun. The first few nights were tough. There wasn't a whole lot of, how can I put it, engagement with my (laughs) 16-year-old. I wonder why. But eventually he really started to warm up to it. We played card games and board games, sorry, We played Monopoly once, and I quite literally destroyed the two guys. I owned every hotel. (laughs) That was a pretty fun moment. You know, would that be a best moment? (laughs) My son's 13, and he has a puppet called Bear, who is this hysterical character. And he began making all these videos, and... 
we would just be rolling around on the floor laughing. I mean, they were hysterical. And this sort of way of processing his emotions and feelings in this time definitely came through with Bear. So that is something I will not forget. Sure, yeah, heck yeah. I'd rather be doing raspberries to everyone. <laughs> but I will be very grateful for this time. It's nice because I know he's going to go to school and if he's like me, I lived at home one summer after my freshman year and then I never lived at home again. So we'll definitely remember this time with him. The week of March 9th, my children who were both college students at the time were notified that they, like kids across the country, were being kicked off campus because the virus, if it wasn't already there, was coming. And I will never forget going to my daughter's campus. She was a senior, had just handed in her thesis a few weeks earlier, was looking forward to a spring break that she'd saved up for and to go to Columbia with her friends. She was going to be in a play. And instead, there I was with her and her three roommates, sifting through four years of college t-shirts and books and papers and putting them in boxes. And this was not supposed to happen in March. It was supposed to happen in May after commencement. I think what I'm going to remember from this time is when kids are 16, 18, as mine are now, the realisation how important those milestones are. Taking exams, leaving school, having your prom party, going on that first holiday by yourself with friends, going to festivals, all the things that they so looked forward to and were kind of marking the passage of their time from girls into young women. Those things are so important and it's so upsetting for them to know that those things have been denied them this summer. And then their deans decided they would have a toast to the senior class and since I was there helping them pack up, I kind of snuck in the side of the courtyard to watch this toast and I'll never ever forget watching Isabella, Paula, and Eloise with their arms around each other, tears streaming down their faces, their chests heaving with sobs, listening to their deans talk about their regret that this had to end this way, that college was ending. We went out for a really, really long walk in the countryside in the sunshine. And my son had been walking for a short while, but he really just become steady on his feet so that you didn't feel like you constantly had to chase him from falling over. And I can just remember us getting to the top of a hill area that was full of like lush green grass and he was just running down the hill and really really enjoying it chuckling away to himself and I was following on from him 
looking out over the landscape, really enjoying the blue skies and all of the green around me. And it was the first time in a while that I just felt relaxed and it feels like it was just like a really liberating piece of time for us both, really. If I can be honest, I don't think I had a best moment with my kids. And that makes me feel like such an awful mom just saying that. I've had a lot of blow-ups multiple times where I just gave a shout at the top of my lungs, just yelling me in frustration because the kids were just driving me absolutely crazy. It actually makes me want to cry a little bit thinking about that. I don't, I never had that moment, like a lot of people, at least it seems like, right, on Facebook, where they say, oh, it's been such a great time as a family. We're doing crafts and we're enjoying family time and and this and that. And I, I feel so awful, but I have not had that. Once I threw a box of magnetiles across the room, once I punched the roof of our minivan hard enough to take the skin off my knuckle, twice now I've slapped my eight-year-old in the face. In general, I think I'm a pretty decent dad, but this time has brought the worst to me. I feel like every day we just survived. We just survived. I miss going to office. I miss having that clean boundary between work and home. I miss being around other adults. I really don't enjoy being the primary caregiver and grocery shopper and cook and doing all the morning routine. This has been a hard and humbling time. And I think the trickiest bits have been about managing the stress of being all together so much, people getting upset and then me just not being the parent I'd like to be at points when I get stressed. The kids are watching 10 times as much TV as they did before, just so we can get a break sometime. And yet the pressures now are making me snap like I rarely did before. Those are really the worst moments where I just feel like I couldn't step up as an adult to keep my cool. And they're just kids. There was just this one moment where I was working and I was on the phone and I was just juggling too many things. I think I was cooking breakfast. I probably cooked like a third breakfast because taking care of the quarantine guy. And then my daughter came down and I figured out breakfast for her. And then my son came down later. And it was by this time I'm on the phone and working and doing all sorts of things and just taking care of lots of people. And I'd already fed my daughter, but because I'd now fed my son, a better breakfast, she looked me dead in the eye and she was like, make me a fried egg. And it was just one of those moments where you just feel like as a parent. And the way the words came out were sort of all of our feelings compressed into one. And it wasn't the demand, but it was more the tone, of course. And I just ended up in a puddle. As a working mother, I have always felt guilty for not spending enough time with my daughter or for having her outside of the house and not knowing you know what she was doing what was influencing her what she was experiencing i kind of took that as just part of what being a working mother was like for me and 
I think it influenced my relationship with my daughter more than I realized in a lot of different ways. And even before the pandemic, it's something that I was definitely aware of and working on. But suddenly and surprisingly with the pandemic and my daughter coming home and not going to school, that constant layer or filter or lens of guilt just evaporated. Something that actually surprised me was something I learned that I've seen, and that's the effect of technology on my young daughter. Although ideally we want to minimize it, having to fill an entire day when we're home with no other resources and had no one else to watch her, we did end up using television more than we would have liked. And it's noticeably causes my daughter to be more emotional, less reasonable, have more tantrums, and just behave way worse. I think one of the toughest things has been the confusion that I felt about what to do with my kids moving forward. Things like, do I send them back to school in the fall? Do I homeschool for a while instead? Is it safe to go do this errand with them? Is it safe to get together with this other family? Should I insist that everybody wear masks? If we're outside, is this okay? Trying to figure out what the best things for my kids are in terms of COVID and keeping them safe and keeping other people safe and keeping our sanity and our mental health. And that's been the hardest part. I was most surprised by a little bit of pushback from some of my friends and family around when they'll be able to come over and meet the baby. You know, things are still very up in the air and we've been getting such mixed information about the virus since March, you know. It's a lot for, I think, uh, a new parent, you know, I'm not almost a parent, but I'm you know, in that mama bear mode, it's a lot to process. There's a lot of big decisions to consider and make around the safety of me and my husband, as well as our newborn. People have been focusing on their expectations and their loss of this experience of a new life in their lives, rather than putting themselves in our shoes and understanding what a difficult place this is for new parents. Prior to being forced to work from home, I had this feeling that I had had so much support with my kids that I felt I would never be able to do it all. I would never be able to be a stay-at-home mom. And I said that often to everyone, that it was such a hard job that I didn't think I would be able to do it. And it was really hard, but I was surprised by my own ability to just be the mom. It's not something that I think I'll want to continue indefinitely, but I think to know that I have that ability and that my kids thrived. It's a nice feeling. It became really clear to me of how sort of unequal my current situation is within my family. And I was like, oh, 
God, we're sort of like a 1950s family where I'm the homemaker now and my husband goes off to work. And that wasn't really ever what I envisioned, but it's sort of a stark reality of what we've had to do. My husband can go to work and continue his work. And in fact, is busier than ever and has to be in order to fill in the gaps from my lack of work. But I'm still working and taking care of the kids and taking care of the house and Certainly, it's been emotionally and physically exhausting across the board. After three boys, we had a little girl, and I had to introduce her to people through the house window, through the window in the living room. <sighs> I didn't expect to have to cancel all of our summer travel plans. I didn't expect all the masks. I didn't expect mask wearing to become political. I didn't expect for my kids to not meet their baby sister in the hospital. I didn't expect my little sister to ask for the first time ever if we'd ever consider moving back across the country to where my parents live because it was too sad for her to think about us not seeing each other for the indefinite future. I didn't expect to be fearful of my parents when they came here from New Jersey. And when they walked in, I asked them to immediately go to the bathroom and shower and wash their clothes. It was weird. I'm like, is this seriously happening? I feel like everything, everything has been sort of unexpected. I think my favorite, favorite memory is going to be of my five-year-old learning to swim in the river with my dad you know, just a few metres away, encouraging her. So her swimming with a float over from me towards him. <laughs> you know, there's not many children that can say that they learnt to swim in the river. <laughs> what I want to remember from this time was the day that my son, who's 19, and I went to our restaurant in Union Square and packed up the car with dozens of meals and drove all the way out to King's Highway in Brooklyn to deliver lunches to Mount Sinai, Brooklyn's staff. As we pulled up, there was a tent next to the building and out came about nine or 10 young physicians and nurses dressed head to toe in protective gear. It looked like they were wearing armor. And when we handed over the lunches that we had brought from our restaurant, they were so grateful it was the first time that a restaurant had delivered meals to them in the crisis and they had felt really I think underappreciated I hope Ian will never forget I certainly will never forget what it meant to make the effort and to show people that we care for them honestly at their ages my children just want me present they still want to play with me and be with me and hang out with me and for me to be interested in what they're doing and what they're drawing and what they're reading and what they're thinking. And I don't want to forget how valuable that is and how much I cherish that. So as hard as it has been, and it has been hard, <laughs> it has been, I have never felt closer 
to my children than I do now. And that is something that I don't want to lose ever. It's like asking what part of running a marathon do you want to remember? Well, running marathons hard. Most of you just want to remember crossing the finish line, except for all of us now. Oops, there is no finish line. Oh, and none of us train for this either. I just don't know if I even want to remember any of this. Yeah, it's simply been hard for us. We were just treading water trying to stay alive between a pandemic and a newborn baby. I know I have to treasure the few bright spots, you know, which I guess is, you know, kind of like having mantras when you're running a race, you know, those moments of impromptu sidewalk conversations with neighbors or the few times we've had to go over to sit in our backyard for drinks six feet away of kids playing outside with their siblings, you know, sometimes enjoying working together with my wife. I hope that'll get us through. But I also believe that we did our best. I did my best. My husband Patrick did his best. We all are alive. No one's dead. No one's an alcoholic. And... I'm proud of us just for that. For making it every single day, figuring it out, getting through every single day. Ugh. It's just hard. like to say a huge thank you to the parents you heard here. Catherine, Lindsay, Jenny, Florence, David, Sybil, Lauren, Ryan, Britta, Nate, Amanda, Gemma, Rini, another Amanda, Erica, Quinn, Laura, Elise, Alicia, and Kate, whose voices are coming to you from all over the U.S., as well as the U.K., Mexico, and Singapore. Since the beginning of lockdown, the Transmission Times has been collecting audio diaries from people like you. But there are stories we haven't heard. If you'd like to submit your story, we'd love to hear from you. You can submit in one of two ways. You can call our phone number, 847-354-4163, and leave a voicemail. Or you can record your audio diary on your smartphone and email it to us at transmissiontimes at gmail.com. All submissions will be kept for the archive, and as many as possible will make it onto the podcast. For more information and that email and phone number again, you can visit our website, transmissiontimes.org join. Thank you. The Transmission Times is created by me, Katie Semro. To the mountain high or the valley floor, because we've all